Right, welcome everybody to the Faultline podcast. This will be the podcast for the 863rd edition of Faultline, the uh, wow. acerbic look at the weekly sort of goings on in the pay TV and OTT marketplace. Joining me today is Tommy Flanagan. Evening. And my colleague Rafi Cohen, who helps me out with Rethink TV. Good afternoon. Oh yeah, yeah. This is slightly later in the day. Um, yeah, it's been a busy week though, isn't it, Tommy? Yeah, very busy one. Yeah, we've got uh, a grand total of four interviews lined up for uh, readers this week. It was supposed to be five, but one got rescheduled for next week. And we've also got three pieces covering some of the various virtual events that have been going on. And I mean, I know that that might not sound like a lot in the context of a uh, a real trade show when we're doing um, 30 plus interviews. But I think in this weird world... Um, that's pretty good. I mean, most publications don't do that many interviews in a quarter, let, uh, let alone in a week. So I just thought I'd start by blowing our, our own trumpet uh, a bit because uh, it, it was a banging issue. I'm, I'm so, still waiting for the week where Alex goes, God, it was a bit quiet, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure it will come. Yeah, don't jinx it, Rafi. We're coming yeah, up to Christmas. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway... Um, so I'll, I'll try and summarise those interviews as concisely and quickly as possible. Um, first of all, I know we've spoken about LCEVC a lot uh, in, in recent uh, pods, but um, but uh, big news this week is it's um, received the final draft from MPEG, which happened a few days ago, and interestingly, they haven't actually published the announcement yet, but we kind of got a, a heads up. And I mean, if you've got the right connections on LinkedIn, you'll also see that everyone's been celebrating it in, in plain sight. So um, so we've kind of um, analysed that and, and what it means basically now that it's got um, uh, approval uh, from MPEG and the ISO is that it can crack on with deployments. And because LCEVC is deployable in uh, software and because it's not an actual codec, but an enhancement codec for uh, extending the compression of the base codec, um, it means it isn't bound by the usual restraints of standards-based products, which can take forever to roll out. So, um, so it's starting to get the ball rolling with some really exciting partnerships and and product um, uh, deployments coming up. I mean, I really wish I could spill all the beans about some of these um, upcoming announcements um, that Vnova's got lined up, but I'm unfortunately under oath from the unwritten rules of off-the-record comments, so you just have to keep an eye out on future editions of Faultline for that. Um, but what we know that is public, that they ha- again, they haven't actually announced, but it is, it is public if you look in the right places, is that Mediaset, Eleven Sports and Al Jazeera have all pledged to be among the early adopters of LCEVC. And so, as I said, what we've done in the article is explore uh, the best uh, real-world use cases for the technology and where these cost savings of this um, sort of turbocharger um, technology will be most effective and Vino I mean it's, it's not out of the woods yet it's still got a lot of work to do to convince people there's a lot of opposition um, but what we will say is that we know that a lot of its adversaries from the from the past have become advocates now which is pretty interesting so um, uh, next up we had uh, catch up with soft at home we were talking about the um, the product uh, roadmap for Wi-Fi 6e which as we know um, will bring in tri-band with 6 gigahertz purely for Wi-Fi 6 devices while the current dual band Wi-Fi 6 standard kind of it still has the interference from the legacy devices running Wi-Fi 6 and lower so soft at home is super excited about the opportunities for that coming next year and uh, the video half of um, soft at home 
uh, we learned that they haven't actually got any RDK deployments just yet, but they have assured us that these RFPs are rolling in. And uh, on top of that, voice control is apparently still a big focus, even though we kind of kind of jested about his parent company, Orange, dropping the Jingo smart speaker, as we, we mentioned last week. So there's some cool stuff um, happening there. Um, and finally, the uh, chat I had with the CEO of um, the Indian OTT platform, Z5, was probably the weirdest of the bunch because he kind of rocked up uh, 20 minutes late to the meeting uh, all the while the poor marketing guy was just trying to keep me occupied um, and, and he kind of bowled in with this oh I'm too busy to speak to this niche journalist attitude that some journalists that some CEOs have sorry and he, and he gave mostly one word answers so it was kind of a an awkward not the easiest interview but um, but we definitely churned out a, what I think is a pretty good story kind of on the changing perceptions of the Indian market and C5 is going after connected TVs and smart TVs to complement its mobile business and um, and we kind of get the impression that people in the Indian technology scene are, are pretty tired of it being perceived as this mobile reliant market that's just devoid of any fixed line infrastructure whatsoever and there's no fibre. But they're, they're, people are trying to convince us that that's changing and so if you're interested in all that then, then have a read because um, it's quite an interesting look at the changing face of the the Indian market. So that was about it from me. I think that summarises the um, the three. Yeah, no, you covered a lot of ground there. Phew. Yeah, well done. Yeah, so we'll, we'll move across now to an article that Rafi wrote. So I'll just read this out for you uh, listeners at home. So no original content and no telco bundle. Salto arrives empty-handed. So Rafi, what was going on here? Who Who is Salto? So Salto is a French uh, SVOD service that has finally launched this week after many delays and over two years since it was first announced. Um, so just to take you through a bit of the tragic history, I mean, I guess the first the first fail, I guess, was announcing the service before it was anywhere near ready to go, because then at least the next year or so, it had to go through loads of regulatory loopholes with the EU and then with the French regulator um, surrounding competition. Eventually, they realized that it would, wouldn't really be a competitive threat without outside of France. So it was, you know, granted the right to exist. And then there were a whole load of other delays. And it was set to launch at the beginning of this, this year um, and then didn't. And they didn't really explain why. And then midway through the lockdown, they attributed one of the reasons that it hadn't launched to the pandemic, which was just, I don't know, kind of a real, you know, facepalm moment. Because as we all know, uh, the time spent watching Asford's uh, platforms and the time and the amount of subscriptions people have rocketed up during lockdowns. And so they really missed an opportunity there. And then on top of that, uh, the fact that they, you know, there was kind of a lot of things already going wrong that uh, the French asphalt, the French asphalt market was already incredibly crowded. And then they missed their one opportunity where maybe being so belated could have turned in their favor if they jumped on the scene right at the moment where people were watching way more on demand video. And to make matters even worse, uh, they allowed time for Disney Plus to slip into the mix as well. They managed to launch during the lockdown in France, even though they de they were delayed themselves by two weeks. And so it was just loads of missteps one after the other. And then seeing as they announced two years ago, I kind of it's just kind of a bit a bit of a mockery anyway. You know, everyone's like, oh, remember Salto? What whatever happened to them? And so they finally arrived this week. And even at the beginning of the year, Fortline was saying, you know, this doesn't look good. It doesn't look like it's going to turn out well. And one of the few things that the general manager uh, Thomas Foland was saying 
was that they're going to actively pursue, essentially they're going to make sure that they're bundled with some kind of telco service or integrated into some kind of set-top. And here we are at launch week and they haven't done either. Uh, so that's one of the, yeah, there was only really two saving graces that would have made this week not a complete flop, I guess, which was either some kind of bundle with a telco or some original content. And beyond outside what their three owners already have, uh, it's owned by three French networks which is uh, TF1, France Televisions, and M6. Uh, none of the content on Salto is anything that isn't already airing on those networks. So, and the, the best kind of exclusive thing they can offer is a kind of a first watch exclusive. So, for instance, they've got the they've got the new series of Fargo. You get to watch that on Salto for a whole day before it airs on the TV. And that's kind of the best thing they've got in terms of exclusive. So yeah, no, we're we're just at launch week now, and yeah, think things aren't looking too good. I can't I can't really see what it's going to offer a French consumer who likely already has quite a few S4 subscriptions. Yeah, yeah, that sounds pretty trash. <laughs> a I, whole uh, day. Yeah, wow, yeah. one whole day. Let me set the calendar. <laughs> Um, yeah, all right. So, I mean, France is a fairly like mature market for it anyway. I can't imagine that will be around. You know, it'll pull a quibby, I reckon, yeah. go down in flames within you know a couple of years. Yeah, I, I also I didn't come across one one article even on the websites that are usually incredibly bland. Every single article I saw had a somewhat negative tone. <laughs> <laughs> even the ones that just completely copy a press release, there was some some negativity somewhere in there. Don't think anyone's feeling too good. Yeah, um, it's quite telling. Cool. Um, all right, so my turn, I guess. Um, this this time uh, we were looking towards China, and um, in in similar kind of fashion, I couldn't actually get a, a, a confirmed announcement for this, but a lot of the Chinese sort of tech coverage sites were reporting it, and we went digging, and based on what we can find, it is actually a thing. So this week ZTE, which is a an electronics maker that it's a bit like Huawei in the networking side of things, but it also, I think it, it claims it's the number two uh, CPE shipper at the moment. I'm not sure how accurate those figures are, but essentially it's provided China Unicom, which is one of the Chinese mobile networks, with a new converged CPE box. So it's one single box, uses a 5G connection to provide in-home broadband it is also then the wi-fi gateway and it's also the set-top box so it's being pitched to areas that are going to be too difficult to deploy fiber to so in china this is mountainous and coastal regions apparently so the pitch is that one single box does everything you want um but the one thing that we couldn't get enough detail for was mention of mesh Wi-Fi. There's no um, hint or sort of view of the nodes that you would place uh, around the house to to provide the sort of mesh coverage. So that's something that we, we couldn't couldn't quite confirm. Um, another sort of pecu- peculiar sort of Chinese uh, flavor is that the AVS2 uh, standard is um, pretty prominent. Um, again, that's, that's essentially just a Chinese video codec. Uh, but that was mentioned uh, across the sort of the sites. Uh, it's a gigabit um, line apparently, so gigabit over 5G, which is pretty impressive. And the one sort of concern that I have is that it's still quite a small box, um, and you're fitting quite a lot of electronics in that. 
and I reckon it'll run pretty pretty hot, like fairly toasty. And I don't think they're including a fan, which means that it's going to have to be passive uh, heat dissipation. Um, so I mean, you, I don't think it'll be you know as bad as cooking eggs on the side of it. Um, but you know, I reckon you could probably turn it over and like keep your coffee warm if you you know, put your pot on top. Um, so yeah, it, it's fairly sort of standard. It's like brushed aluminium, black, you know, blue LEDs. Looks pretty nice. Um, recent sort of announcements from ZTE because we went back through the past year looking for you know a press release we might have missed. But um, there's been a couple new Android TV set tops that come out. Um, one for cable and satellite. Another one for IPTV. Uh, those are ARM Cortex A55 chips, you know, fairly standard these days, really. Um, and then uh, it's it's had a recent announcement to support Netflix's Hailstorm sort of pre-integration offering. So yeah, it, we we sort of went looking for what we thought might be a bigger sort of story, and we haven't quite found it. Um, but we are paying attention. And the other sort of interesting part, separate from the CPE, is that the uh, there was a 5G new radio uh, broadcast using 30 megahertz of spectrum in the 700 megahertz band, and that was doing broadcast TV uh, in like a free-to-air mode for 5G stuff. So that's quite cool. You might see some sort of niche or sort of operator-specific implementations there uh, in China, probably. I'm not sure if the rest of the world is as keen on sort of 5G. Uh, broadcast tv yet but yeah um it's it was pretty interesting all in all so that was about it really for me i've been fa fairly busy on other projects so we'll turn now to the worth noting section so rafi what was going on five years ago um yeah well sticking within china there were a lot of rumors that netflix was uh, set to enter the market uh they thought that it was going to enter a partnership with wonder group who was the owner of the largest cinema chain in china uh, and yeah, we was, we said that this would have sparked a fierce war for Chinese viewers with the incumbent uh, S4 platforms, Alibaba, Tencent and Beidou. Um, and it looked, partnership was really, if Netflix was going to enter China, partnerships was really the only way to do it. As you had to have eight different licenses to provide OTT content in the country. And it was unlikely that the government would ever bestow these to like a foreign company, let alone an American one. But um Wanda's main business was in like commercial properties such as cinemas and malls and hotels and a bit in e-commerce. And it kind of suggested that uh, rather than actually try to enter China as an OTT platform, maybe Netflix was trying to angle itself more from the production studio side of things and then sell its films, etc. to Wanda to air in their cinemas. Um, and there was other rumours too that maybe Netflix was going to try enter with Alibaba's Best TV or this state-owned I can't remember what the state-owned one was called, but there was also a state-owned TV network. Um, but yeah, despite all the speculation, here we are today, and Netflix is still not in China. So, Toby, uh, anything in worth noting that you want to draw our attention to? Yeah, the, a few uh, a few good things in there. The, the funniest being that poor old Quibi has called it a day. Oh, really? After, yeah, after yeah. just six months. How, did you not see it? No, someone hasn't checked their inbox today. One point seven billion dollars yeah, of funding. Fat stacks, absolutely fat stacks. I mean, absolutely no one is surprised. Um, and although laughably, I have I've seen a few people um, genuinely kind of sympathising with Jeffrey Katzenberg and Meg Whitman, saying stuff like, "Oh, how they had the right idea all along," and they're still 
uh, legends in the entertainment world and and they people shouldn't be so quick to criticize and stuff like that i'm sorry but when you've p- convinced people to invest that much money into a business that we were saying from day one had the wrong strategy and and then you went head first into a pandemic without changing your strategy from mobile only to to tv there's absolutely no sympathy from me <laughs> but it will be interesting actually to see where they go next because i mean it was the reputations of these two um high profile people that kind of lord all the investment in the first place so will anyone trust them again well hopefully not i mean it's not like whitman was very good in a previous job um but, yeah there we are that's that's corporate enterprise it i guess um and then yeah the only thing i want to point out is just nielsen right nielsen the venerable ad counting firm the benchmark of the industry for years that thing what pay tv operators rely on to do their forecasting it's finally woken up to the idea that maybe it should include youtube streaming tv inventory in its ad ratings and you just ask yourself why wasn't that a day one feature come on Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, the tradition of, of shit on Nielsen, I think, is is continuing, um, <laughs> and I'm quite happy about that. So make it a weekly segment. <laughs> I reckon there's enough there. For, we could go back through get the archives. Get a little jingle. Yeah, get a little retroactive. Just plot how far off course it was. But that would be a bit mean, I think, and <laughs> maybe not the best use of our time. Um, so yeah, speaking <laughs> of which, we're getting ourselves ready for the for next week. Uh, Tommy, you got anything lined up? Yeah, we're really setting ourselves, um, setting each other up nicely here uh, this week. Uh, this isn't scripted at all, I promise. But next week, I'm speaking to Marketcast, which is an analytics company founded by some of the guys who jumped ship from Grace Note after it was acquired by Nielsen. Yeah. <laughs> Naturally. I mean, yeah, this call has been a few weeks in the making, but hopefully I have them uh, nailed down next week. And another new name on our radar that I've got lined up for an interview is Quickstream. So, yeah, keep him busy next week. And I'll be talking to M2A Media. Bodacious. All right, well, we'll keep our ears and eyes open. So this was the Faultline podcast. Uh, if you want to check out Faultline, get a four-week free trial, head to rethinkresearch.biz. Rafi and I recently did our Rethink TV webinar on multi-CDN, so again, head to the website, check that out. Uh, and we'll see you next week. Take care. Cheers, then. Bye.